0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with, always...
1: Typical Lydia...
0: You know, sometimes I feel like I could just do a recording of that yeah, and just never have to say it again. That was
1: pretty much exactly. I was going to be like, this is Lydia in trombone pants peaver or Lydia in rusty trombone peaver. Why does it got to
0: be rusty trombone?
1: <laughs> it's thematic. We're going with the, with the theme of the film that we watched. Oh,
0: that's true. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the 1976 film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. There's a lot of weird coincidences. It's when I'm picking a movie, and a lot of the times when I'm picking a movie and it's my idea, it's something reminds me of the movie. I'll be watching something or I'll be watching a documentary and then something reminds me of something else. And I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be a good one to do. Uh, Twitch of the Death Nerd is a good example of that. I was watching something completely unrelated. And they were talking about like Twitch of the Death, and I'm like, oh yeah, right, that one. Let's do that. This is the same thing. I was watching a documentary about urban legends. It's like a documentary on Netflix. Um,
1: I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, I watched this. It, it was kind
0: of a follow up to the same guy did the Cropsey uh, Cropsey Killer. Documentary that's also on Netflix. And then he did this one that was Urban Legends. And one of the sequences in that documentary was the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, which is a a series of random killings that occurred in 1946 that they never really found the killer. There's a lot of evidence to put the blame on one person, but technically speaking, it is still an open case and they never really figured out who it was
1: yeah one of those first cases that took place uh straddling a state line and it took a bit for authorities to work together and then they eventually did but still had nothing to really go on he was operating for the most part in secluded areas there was no witnesses he wore a mask so no one ever saw him he left no real evidence and forensics then weren't what they are today so yeah one of the coldest cold cases,
0: mm-hmm. especially since if you're dealing with a a series of random murders that occurred in the 1940s, I mean, physical evidence is just not something that you have a lot of anymore. It's been so long. So I was watching the documentary, and it reminded me of that. And I, and I do, I kind of leaned back in my chair and looked towards my bookshelf. That I mean, there's books on it, but it's mostly movies. And I just squint my eyes a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I got that movie. Then I just text you and I say, hey, Lydia, what? What about this? And then I find out that another one was just getting made or had been recently released on home video.
1: Yeah. At first you had, you hadn't seen it, which, um, and I had not that long before because similarly, I was reading an article in Serial Killer Quarterly that covered some of the original Moonlight Murders and... Right after that, watched the remake, and I hate calling it a remake because it's like an addendum. It's not a remake, even though it shares the exact same name. So I yeah, you would explain this to me
0: because I thought it was a remake. Mm-hmm. It has the exact same title, and it looks like just you know fresh actors and and stuff. But it's but it's an addendum, you said.
1: Yeah, and it's not just that it's. um retelling it's not a retelling necessarily at all and it's not that they took the same story and put it in contemporary time it's flash forward over 50 years later and there's some of the descendants in the same town in living in Texarkana still it's not very fresh in the memories of people that live there so everything has really calm down people aren't afraid when the sun goes down anymore mm-hmm. and in real life and in the film they show the film the town the dreaded sundown as a drive-in at the par- at a park that used to be on the edge of town that's now more in town because of urban sprawl where one of the murders had taken place right so they are sort of riffing on that how people could be so insensitive to watch this film in the same town in the same place that one of these murders was committed um so that's sort of like the focal point of it and I don't want to like spoil that film especially for you cuz you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um it is it is an invigorating take on it I thought. It was very Hollywood like it's not even as good cinematically as the original I don't feel um but it is a good film and mm-hmm. it is a good storyline and it's got an interesting twist. Okay. Yeah
0: because they do do that in Texarkana don't they have screen- on Halloween on Halloween they yeah. screen that movie
1: this is another Halloween film not the original one that takes place in April May like the, the murders had yeah um, but the retelling or addendum I keep calling it an addendum because it feels like that's a more appropriate word from my point of view okay um, in the new Town That Dreaded Sundown it takes place at Halloween so that's another Halloween movie for your list Oh
0: that's a really interesting yeah but back to this movie nineteen seventy six when this came out it was very much hailed as it's all over the advertisements based on a true story and they even go so far as to say that only the names have been changed and everything else is absolutely accurate now of course that's not true. Lies. Lies. It, it's it's not lies. it's not lies it's it's sensational as i
1: sensationalized (laughs) put the lies and sensationalized
0: yeah yeah put the lie and sensationalized it's sensationalized and i never blame a movie for that there's tons of movies out there that are based on a true story that are very inaccurate everything from texas chainsaw massacre to the haunting of connecticut there's tons of films out there uh that are quote-unquote based on True Stories, the Amityville Horror. Yeah, it's um, things that I
1: actually I watched Amityville Horror and sat down with Jay Anson's book and, and, you know, I compare. I do the same thing with this film. I sit mm-hmm. there with friggin' Wikipedia open or mm-hmm. the article on Serial Killer Quarterly or the Hunting Humans or whatever book that it's mentioned in. And I'll actually, I, the three times that I've watched this, I've definitely done that. Mm-hmm. But you take a film like The Night Stalker, I mm-hmm. haven't sat down with the story of Richard Ramirez and compared what they have to do in this fictionalized version of The Night Stalker. Mm. I'm going to have to do that.
0: It'd be really interesting. Sounds
1: like a fun night.
0: Yes, it's true. And if anybody's interested, if you go to splatterpictures.net, there's an entire article where I have handpicked, I think, four or five movies that were based on true stories, and I outlined the differences between what actually happened and what's in the film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just plugging my own stuff.
1: No, it's important, <laughs> I think.
0: Um, so the basic idea around this film is that it is the late 1940s. It's early spring. Uh, people are coming back from the war, uh, most people have already returned, but there are still people trickling in. Uh, it's a time of prosperity, and we're told this through narration. The movie has like a weird sensibility where it kind of presents itself as a documentary, but there's tons of scenes that are just actors acting that that are completely oblivious to omniscient narration. Um, so it's almost like a... What did you what was the term you called?
1: Docudrama. A
0: docudrama, thank you. Um... So it's very much presented like that, but we're told from the very beginning that this is a time of uh, hopefulness and prosperity. And of course, of that time, young couples driving out into secluded areas to be alone together, that was not unusual. It just follows a series of events where people are doing that and then are encountered by a masked killer. He's got a, a white sack on his head and he's just all in denim and he's super fierce and He's intense super
1: fierce. and that mask is on on one hand kind of kind of hokey yeah. but on the other hand extremely terrifying yeah i wouldn't be able to like i find the mask terrifying in a totally different sense that i wouldn't be able to wear one at the for the length of time what's that he so, does what's what's what sense is that <laughs> the suffocation oh my god it doesn't look like very easy to wear it's probably well, scratchy and sweaty in there Horrible.
0: well not only that but like it is funny like when the dude He's a very physical guy and he's he's definitely intense and going after people is that's hard work, I would imagine. Yeah. And so when he's huffing and puffing, the whole bag <laughs> constricts to his face and then puffs back out. Yeah, it's
1: comical when we're telling it. When we're, it there's is. There's se- several scenes that we'll get into after where it's comical when we're sitting here talking about it. Yeah. But it's not comical while you're watching it because, yeah, his level of exertion is amplified because of this this mask going in and out while he's wearing this bag on his head mm-hmm. or whatever. I hope that he could see pretty good. I hope he could see better than like Jason in the first Friday the 13th. You know what I mean?
0: Did Jason have one eye hole or two? Because this guy had two eye holes.
1: Yeah. They weren't very big, though.
0: It's true. And you know what? You know that that stuff moves around, and the second it moves to one side, you can't really see. And
1: Yeah, running through the bush.
0: Running through the bush, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's night- they do. It's nighttime, although you get a sense that this guy has a pretty good idea about his surroundings.
1: He is very, very... Uh, comfortable in his surroundings especially the the things like the sand pit and the cornfields and the bushes that this takes place and in the swamp too um and he seems to be pretty cozy wearing this bag because they they never ever ever of course show him without his bag on his head and even during broad daylight um near the end of the film you do see him in broad daylight and he's still wearing this mask and i was going to comment like does he just wear this like 24 7
0: it's interesting because a lot of the times when you watch a serial killer movie and there's a mask involved, a lot of the times you can get an indication that when they're putting on their mask, they're becoming this killer. They're becoming this character. They're becoming their true self. This is their alter ego. It's that darkness that's inside of them. But if the killers never take the mask off, it is to say that that is who they are and and any shred of humanity wouldn't be there. And also there's a practical nature to it as well if you don't want to have the audience know who the killer was. And if you're basing an entire movie around a killer that was never really identified. There's no need for that. Yeah, Yeah. and, and, and that is the scary part because this movie really hits you with the fear of random acts of violence.
1: Even from the beginning, when you're, like you said, it is partially, they're going out into these little secluded areas, but they are still within city limits. They are still very, very close. They're Mm -hmm. not going out into the bush. And they're not going camping. They're not infringing on a killer's territory necessarily. This killer is definitely coming into the town hunting humans. Yes. Um, It is random acts of violence. Very close to home. Which is super terrifying. And that's mm-hmm. one of the most terrifying angles of this. Aside from the physicality of the killer. Because he is a big guy. He's yeah. super tough. He knows his way around. He knows his way around killing. Yeah. He's killing people quite efficiently. And yeah. he's killing them in teams. Uh, yeah. Teams. He's killing them duos. He's not yeah. killing single people all alone in the middle of the bush. He's coming yeah. close to town and taking out couples.
0: And, and so, so much so that he's... Is- Ripping people out of their cars through the windshields, and and it's not in a sense where it's not like a Jason Voorhees where should, or or a, a Michael Myers where they're just inhumanly strong. You get it, it doesn't look easy for him, but he's still doing it. Yeah, and I mean it's definitely true that a lot of the victims in this movie get caught pretty flat-footed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, especially in the beginning. But once people have an idea that these murders. Are going on I mean they make a, uh, a lot of effort to indicate that the town is on edge that everyone is prepared I mean they're they're buying out the gun shops they're boarding up their windows they're altering their daily lives to avoid being out at night so I mean I think that's why and we'll get into it later why he changes his MO because he had this entire town so gripped with fear
1: yeah. And that is one of the things that is the most factual in this in this film. Yeah, they change the names. And yeah, they have about the same body count. I believe it's the same body count. Yeah. Um the method of killing isn't entirely accurate. It's mostly accurate. Um some a lot of the the police effort is accurate. I'm mm-hmm. sure they weren't as bumbling Keystone Cops, uh <laughs> Roscoe P. Coltrane and Boss Hog kind of comedy going on. I really don't think so. I don't think they had that kind of soundtrack following them around either. You
0: really said it because holy fuck. This movie <laughs> has two shades to it, and they're stark. Oh, yeah. On the one hand, you are given this serene environment, and then you're giving these young, attractive couples, and you introduce this fierce, just very dirty, rough-looking killer.
1: Very realistic. Very realistic. A, A guy
0: that looks like he just went to his shed, grabbed a couple things... And this is I'm a killer now. It reminds and
1: us now of the Zodiac, at the time the Zodiac didn't exist. That's that's very true. Zodiac,
0: and that and it's funny that you should say that because I'll get into I'll get into that because um, it's so similar. Mm-hmm. Then on these super series, you could have a moment where where people are killed, and the acting for the kills. It's very well done. People sound scared. They sound terrified. He sounds enraged.
1: They behave pretty much like you would envision that horrible shit going down.
0: Yeah, just confused because, oh, I went here to make out with my lady and, oh my god, what is this guy doing? And... And 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 so they're caught really off guard, and then they're just screaming, and they don't really know how to do. It. And the guys try to begging for their
1: lives, begging in a for their lives, manner, yeah, yeah, and
0: not really knowing how to handle it. Some guys act bravely, some act cowardly, um, because they're just scared. They don't they don't know what to do, and they don't expect it to happen to them.
1: Yeah, it happens very brutal, very fast, and terrifying in the dark. And
0: then you got. Lone Wolf and Spark Plug, and these bumbling cops. And I don't mean like, here's a team of bumbling, like one or two bumbling cops. It's a team. It's a set. They're all kind of, and they're not stupid. But it's just there's these entire scenes that are there to for
1: levity. I suppose, which
0: makes sense. I mean, you can't. It would be a really intense ride in a really dreary ride if it was just murder after murder with no real conversation levity.
1: I'm fine with that. You know what? I'd love to edit out every single one of those Keystone Cop bumbly fucking Dukes of Hazard bullshit moments where I'm expecting Daisy to come up any minute just to distract little fuckers. I, I, I could do without it. I would love to edit out all that bumbling stupid <laughs> crap. You know, anything that is, is keyed by that shitty fucking soundtrack.
0: <laughs> the soundtrack changes too. The
1: soundtrack changes for the bumbling cops because I could just use that as my cue just cut out everything with that that weird bumbly soundtrack cut all the bumbly cops and yeah it would be a dreary depressing stark and violent ride
0: yeah especially for 1976 oh fuck yeah um it's funny because anytime that i was watching this movie and i thought that they were padding time it was definitely there's there's an entire scene where spark plug that's a guy, by the way. It's his nickname. I can't remember his actual name because who cares? He can't find the keys to squad car seven. Where are the keys? So he dumps out an entire drawer. He, he, <laughs> so we're sitting here watching the scene where this cop is dumping out a drawer on his desk. And then the officer, uh, uh, the, the sheriff, just says, what do you think's on the rack there? And, he, and, and the camera pans to the rack with squad car number sevens and the keys are hanging on it. And he's like... Thank you, and mop, then he, mop, womp, womp, and then he just walks, grabs the keys, and then now he's driving, and and then right after that, there's a whole scene about him stopping the car too fast. Sparkplug tells him that his nickname Sparkplug, and this guy's nickname is Lone Wolf, the Texas Ranger, and to <laughs> see, and, and, and Texas Ranger Lone Wolf guy is the dude that nicknames the Phantom. And so I just really feel like they're just super into to nicknames,
1: <laughs> super into nicknames and bumbling around. And the scene that I often forget even exists is the whole sting operation crossdress scene.
0: Oh my god! Not, yeah, that
1: counts as bumbling cops right. padding for Be- time because they have
0: because this is the joke. They have a bunch of uh, big tough police officers, spark plug included walking out, they're all dressed as women, they're all wearing horribly overdone makeup, and the idea is they're supposed to sit in cars in and around the various lovers' lanes and try to get the killer to come and attack them. And so there's an entire scene where Sparkplug and this other uh, officer are sitting in the car together and he's just awkwardly hitting on him.
1: He even grabs his boob. He grabs
0: his fake uh, boob, and then Sparkplug takes his hat off. And his... again, you're—it's almost like you're watching two different movies. There's entire sections with the killer that are super serious, and then there's entire sections where the cops are trying to catch the killer where they just keep messing up. It's mostly the Sparkplug character. He's the comic relief for sure, and everyone just sort of gets angry at him or. Oh, Damn that I mean, he's guy. He's like
1: Gilligan. Yeah, I do
0: Barney Fife or, yeah. or however, if we can make it enough super old references. <laughs> we're talking about Gilligan's Island, the Andy Griffith show, the, the Dukes of Hazzard.
1: <laughs> that pretty much sums up the feel of this film because it was filmed around the time when I was watching television shows, I suppose, because I don't really watch television shows since those shows were on, <laughs> I suppose. But... Yeah, it is that same sort of feel of that, that sitcom, country, western kind of. Oh yeah. Feel. Oh yeah. I don't know how it, to explain it?
0: It could it could easily it, it just detracts from the seriousness of some of the scenes, because when the killer shows up, is deadly serious. I don't
1: think it's warranted. And you know what? If someone's going to say that it's disrespectful to watch that film on Halloween in a park in the same town where these original murders took place. I think it's more disrespectful to have bumbling keystone cops and levity during this docudrama. And it is positioned like a docudrama. Mm-hmm. It definitely is because they not only said it was based on true story and only names and we changed with big lie, but it is narrated. It is uh, filmed like a documentary, like a complete reenactment of these killings. There are some scenes, obviously, which didn't happen in the real killings. But yes, some of them are fairly accurate, mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of it's. I don't like comedy to begin with, but it is kind of disrespectful in a way. If you if you look at it that way, it is kind of disrespectful how these jokey comedy moments. I think, mm-hmm.
0: but it is funny that they went that route because of all the horror movies of this era that are based off of actual serial killers or crimes it is making the most effort that i've ever seen to to be as accurate to it while still doing something that functions as entertainment and drama because you can't do if it was literally like a case like a, like a case by case fact by fact movie it would be i don't want to say less interesting but that the audience has to be watching a movie. Yeah, there certainly
1: is mass appeal. And I can see why this would be a a drive-in choice in any city because it is a fun little place. Especially
0: since a lot of the murders occur with people in their cars. That's not by accident that you would have that as a drive-in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of made perfectly for that. Mm -hmm. And I ride on the the comedy just because I personally don't like it. But it does fit and it does work.
0: I typically don't mind comedy in my horror... Although, as you know and anyone who listens to the show know, I prefer horror to be very straight and very serious, not because I don't like certain horror comedies. I do. Uh, I like some of them very much. But I kind of feel like I could count on one or two hands how many times I feel it's really effective.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: there's a lot more horror comedies out there. I'm not saying that this is a horror comedy by any stretch. No, I just no. feel yeah. like some of the scenes that were put into the movie, if you spent more time with the victims, that would have been better, because then maybe I would have felt more sympathy towards them. Not that I don't feel sympathy for them, because, like I said, these characters are very scared, and are being very brutalized by this guy. So, I mean, I'm sympathetic in the sense that I'm watching... Characters go through something terrible on screen, so yes, I'm sympathetic. But I don't really know the characters that well. We're treated to a couple of brief scenes with them, sometimes just one scene. Yeah, usually we're, the
1: narrator does the job of explaining yeah, the, who they are to us. Yeah,
0: the narrator sets it up, tells us who they are, which isn't a bad way to go. It saves time, but what were you saving that time for? Were you saving the time so I could watch the cop not find the key? Yeah. Could I? Are you saving the time for the uh, for spark plug to drive his car? into a bog like what what are you saving the time for i would rather more scenes with the killer because that's what i'm paying for. more scenes
1: with the killer i could have even done with more of the frenzied fear of the townsfolk because that was a very realistic thing that was Mm -hmm. going on then too they were imposing curfews and they were locking their doors and they were keeping an eye on everybody and reporting suspicious everything's Mm -hmm. right and they did a little bit of that but they could have even done more for sure. Yeah, there was a lot more going on in the town than that. And there was a lot more serious police work going on at the time. There was a task force. There was, like, a lot of these police officers in the film are based on the real police officers in the actual case. And they were working extremely fucking hard to catch this guy. Yes and to soothe the fears of the townsfolk. Yeah. So
0: I could imagine, jeez. I keep
1: calling them townsfolk. That is so not a word I use. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm stuck in 1946 right now. <laughs> townsfolk. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. But so they they could have been if they want to pad the story with scenes from of the cops. Why fictionalize them into comedic bits like sure for a little levity, but it it is you do get to catch your breath watching the police do research, or do some of their work, or have mm-hmm. some of their heated conversations and stuff like that.
0: And maybe an awkward laugh here or there. I don't mind if... Like, I don't want to force comedy into a situation where it doesn't play, but but I feel like that's what they did. They were really... We gotta be funny. That was yeah. That was what seemed to be the direction for these scenes, and I'm wondering... Where those scenes came from. They stick out. They stick out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, they do. And
1: they have loads of fact to play with. Loads of fact to play with for those characters. Where the more factual things that they were using were the things that are the unknowns. How the actual killings happen. Not including Mm -hmm. the first one where everyone survived and they know basically what happened. But the other ones Mm -hmm. where they're is more believable almost Mm -hmm. what the cops are doing is not believable I guess where it comes from is things like the the westerns that were being made then and the funny television shows that were being made then the
0: director did have a history of making a couple of westerns
1: yeah he didn't make a hell of a lot of films but Mm -hmm. um Seems to be like some sort of drama or like Legend of Boggy Creek. And then he'd do a Western and then he'd do something else and then do a Western. I suppose not only because of his geographical area and what people were interested in. I suppose that was what he was interested in making. And he's really good at it because you do get a, a Western feel watching even Town That the Dirted Sundown. And it is done extremely well. And some of the things that are pulled directly out of some of the more popular and well acted and well... Filmed westerns like the action scenes, the gunfighting, the car chasing, all that stuff is done very, very well in this film. And it is very similar to a stagecoach western.
0: You know, I hate to be this guy. I was just uh, looking up the director's name uh, really quick because it slipped out of my head as it ha- tends to happen sometimes. Um, because we did know that he was responsible for some westerns. We did know. That uh, one fact that I found really interesting was that he was behind The Legend of Boggy Creek, mm-hmm. which is kind of a documentary, docudrama about a Bigfoot-like creature that came out around the same time. I really liked that movie as a kid. I didn't realize it was a fake. I thought it was...
1: <laughs> the first time I watched it, I thought it was docu- uh, a documentary as well I when it was... I was really young. I yeah. thought it
0: was super serious. Um, and it's funny because I just got that on dvd recently so i was like oh what a weird wild world we're doing this movie and then he did legend of boggy creek and i just got that i used to have that on vhs and i remember it we got it from i we rented it once my mom rented it for me because i loved cryptozoology as a little kid and and i loved it i just ate it up and then when it became one of those back in the day kids when you're at a video rental store when they wanted to get rid of some of their inventory, they would sell it and for a very cheap price. And so you could have like a beaten up, worn out VHS copy that 100 people before you have watched, and it'd cost you about two bucks. So that was my copy of The Legend of the Box. I
1: have a whole tree. box of those in the basement.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm bringing this up. Because while I was looking up, uh, while I was looking up uh, Charles B. Pierce, which is the director's name, would you like to know what character he played in this movie?
1: Oh yes, I would. Spark plug. Aww.
0: I feel like all of our questions have been answered. Yep. He just, I want to be in this movie. I'm gonna be funny.
1: All right. That makes a lot of sense. It really, really does. I, I don't
0: like to be. I'm checking Wikipedia, guy, but. It happened, and I just happened to just glance over that fact.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> I'd never, I'd never looked up that closely. I knew that it shared a director, and we found out it shared a narrator. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, sure. I didn't pay that close attention to yeah. Legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah, the Creek. same
0: narrator that narrates all the points in this also did Legend of the Boggy Creek, which was something that stuck out to me again because I really liked that movie as yeah. a kid.
1: Yeah, but I would have never yeah it does explain a lot it does make a lot of sense
0: anytime because you're like what's with this character it's like it doesn't even belong here at all
1: i'm glad he's a darn good actor he really actually is whether i like the character of spark or not yeah
0: yeah yeah. and again it had nothing to do with the acting or the writing of the character it just seemed like it was from a different movie yeah and now i feel like it might have just been interjected as like a hitchcockian attempt to just be in the movie (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, Stephen King's characters in his in films that he's written or whatever are yeah are, they stick out like sore thumbs. Not because we recognize Stephen King, but because yeah. he just doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, Stan Lee, same thing. Stan
0: Lee yeah. and Night Shyamalan, it's always
1: they they never fit.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. always like here's a random scene with a character that seems to have a lot of information. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and and even as seamless as you try to weave in certain characters, it still kind of looks like patchwork. Even even the best writers have a hard time putting themselves where you don't find it. Oh, well, there's that guy, and then it pulls you out.
1: Unless you're putting Bruce Campbell in, you pretty stick him in. You pretty, you could stick Bruce Campbell in pretty much anything, and he doesn't really stick out. Yeah, yeah. He he kind of like blends in <laughs> somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. As far as weird cameos for no reason go. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool little tidbit of information, Wes. Thank yeah. you for being that that Wikipedia guy.
0: I, I, I normally don't, mm. listeners. It's
1: No, honestly, we don't do a lot of background. We don't do a quarter of the amount of work that we should do. Probably
0: not. Yeah. Honestly, the process of this show is, Lydia, want to do this movie? Okay. Pre-screen it sometimes to get it in our heads. And then I come over here, we watch it. And then two minutes later, we're, we put, yeah. we turn on mics.
1: As fast as possible, usually. Yeah, we yeah. try to
0: like get our authentic take on it right away. Almost to give that sense of people leaving a movie theater. Like the conversations you would have with dinner, uh, like after dinner movie. You know what yeah. I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's a lot more or fun I- than watching a movie all alone and then me going out in the backyard and just sitting there alone. Thinking about it? Yep, crickets.
0: Sorry. It also helps you remember it more, I find. Because I don't forget details about the movies that we watch now because we've talked about it for an hour. That
1: are things that we might have missed or been confused about. Things like that. Um, that's one thing like, um, I guess people have, the the place of that has been taken by forums. I've gone to a couple of forum entries because I really enjoyed the film It Follows and I wrote um, right. an article about it on I've seen it. Nightface Face and uh, it was mentioned by Chris on Bind Torture Cast, which made me very, very happy. Not only that...
0: Oh, the article on it follows uh, Christmas. Yeah, nice cool. yeah,
1: because they they covered it, and that's what made me want to go see the film. So when it came into the Mayfair, of course. Mm-hmm. So then I re-listened to their review, which mm-hmm. is ten times better than my little article. Okay. But um, I did hit on some things that I didn't realize so many people had missed. And it's not something that they'd really missed much in Bind, Torture, Castle when they have so much time, right? But people on forums have unlimited time to dissect all of these things, mm-hmm. forever and ever, amen. So going into some of the forums and reading what people had to say about it follows, there were some things that people definitely missed, or things that people were reading too far into, specifically like when they are going to pass this on to uh, prostitutes. That became a, a thing where I didn't realize Some people didn't really get what had happened in that thing, or maybe I missed something, I don't know. But... We get to talk out these points that we might have missed or not got or took differently in a film that we watched. Not so much with this one, because there isn't a lot to get or not get. It's not a very deep film. Mm -hmm. But something like um, Sick Nurses. There was definitely a lot of things that we got you know, got to dig into some of the interpretations while we did this podcast. One no kind of tripped me up.
0: And it follows, and this is a tangent and I'm sorry for the show if if people haven't watched it, but like, did they ever indicate what happened to the people on the boat? She, she got off, she went into the water and went to the boat with those guys in it. Did they ever go back to that? Cause did they ever
1: go back to that? No, she just walked into the water afterward.
0: And that was it. And the, the implication is, is that that she slept with them.
1: No, I think that the implications... See, this is this is how... This is why conversations are so important, kids. Uh, and forums. Well, the way I saw it is that she went out to the boat to see if it would follow her. And it, she figured it couldn't. She thought she'd be safe out there. But it was sort of a test, thinking, you know, if I can go hang out on a boat, and I see it hanging out on the shore, not being able to do anything, then I can move to an island, and I'll be home free. But obviously, it showed up on the boat. And then she was like, I'm out of here.
0: Well, that, That's interesting, because... My interpretation of that scene was she saw those guys and was like, I will get fucked by those guys. And so she takes off her clothes, goes into the water, and then the next time you see her, she's soaking wet, driving her car, crying, like, because she had to do that, like, give up her dignity to do that. No, not at
1: all. And what about guys on a boat makes you think they're fuckable? I don't know. It was, it just seemed like, it just seemed because... that's not what I got at all. Oh. it was she was crying because it followed her out there and she thought she had it she thought she figured this out she thought she was home free and could be rid of this forever by simply moving to victoria really? but no no she wasn't safe and that's why she was crying
0: okay i i i, I look i will take that interpretation because mine i don't like it but I, that was just what i got from the scene okay
1: yeah okay fascinating fascinating There's also people out there that think that at the end they're being followed by a totally normal person and it's not following them anymore because her new boyfriend, her friend had went and slept with a prostitute. So they're home free. To me... uh, But he didn't. I don't
0: think he did. (laughs) No. I I guess that's funny because I was about to say, if I don't see it on the screen, how do you expect expect me to think it happened?
1: Exactly. And what we see is him basically dismissing that idea. Having the idea and being like, no, I don't have the heart to do that. And
0: and I would have... And the only reason why I thought that maybe she had slept with those dudes on the boat was just because of the context clues. The way that they showed her going towards it. Um, And then afterwards in the car wet and crying. Crying to me. Do you
1: cry after sex all the time, Wes?
0: I would cry if I had to give up my dignity to...
1: Oh, yeah, you have dignity.
0: (laughs) That's terrible. And I'm a sensitive guy. Yeah, maybe I cry a little bit after sex.
1: Aw, that's precious. (laughs)
0: Like Leo DiCaprio in Titanic.
1: I've never watched Titanic.
0: I've seen that part.
1: I've never, and I won't. I don't know. I'm still toying with the idea of watching the very end just for the whole disaster bit, but yeah, not interested. Anyhow, Anyhow I know we're I'm,
0: really off topic. I'm sorry we're off topic. We'll get yeah. back onto it. One thing that I wanted to talk about um, is the one of the biggest things that everybody remembers the most about this film. To the point that if you're going to show a clip from this movie, this is probably the clip you're going to show, and that is the trumpet or is tr- trombone sorry not Trombom-bom? trumpet the trombone
1: saxophone
0: that would be the trombone Trombom-a? death <laughs> yes It'd be the trombone death well you had a good take on this you go ahead
1: how what every single time i describe this i'm laughing how every single time i think about this is it comes across as comical when you see it as as clips sometimes because it is used like you said it is really the scene that people yeah. show it is the clip that people use from this film um where they could more much more effectively use when he comes through that screen door but anyway yeah uh it is it is it's comical to explain it that he's you know figuring out how he's gonna kill this girl he's secluded no one's gonna come interrupt him because he's a silencer Yeah, her boyfriend's like decommissioned, so he's tying this bowie knife To the end of a trombone, giving it a few test runs Yeah, he's he's like, this is how a trombone works. he knows how to put a trombone together. He gives it a couple, like, pumps. Pumps, yeah. And then he gets down behind her with this knife that's taped or tied. I guess it's taped. Tied. tied It looked tied to me. Like, he had, like,
0: a leather strap around it.
1: And he stabs her, like, three or four times with this trombone. Yeah. And he's puffing and puffing. Yeah,
0: blowing into the trombone. And as he extends his arm, the trombone arm punctures her back. Yeah. Once, twice, thrice.
1: Time's a dead lady. Yes. So it sounds comical. It's and i And I'm, I'm laughing-ish now. I'm it, smiling it, it, like, we do the... have
0: smiles on her face because it's You've explained so... this
1: scene several times because we talk about this movie quite a bit. Yeah. But...
0: It, it's ridiculous. And to me, like, how I always describe it, and I've said this to you before, but, like, how I've always described it, it's like a dude who doesn't know how to have sex. <laughs> and he's and he's with a girl, and he's really trying to impress her, and he's just... Like, throw the house at it. He's just he trying... He learned
1: some move on his mom's Cosmo magazine. So yeah, where like, he... Try he this does, out. I,
0: don't, I don't know how to fuck you. I don't know how to kiss. Well, what about this? Well, I'll put my hand here. I'll do this. Because, like, he really... Um, the actor playing uh, the killer is very agitated when he's doing this, and it's almost like re- he's
1: trying really hard.
0: Like, but but like he's trying really hard, almost to like keep it together. Like he might just be drunk on madness if he just let himself go. So it's very like, like these bursts of energy come very sharp and very aggressive, even yeah. when he's going on the tromp uh, the trombone. So it's really funny to look at,
1: but. When you're watching it, though. No, that, that's, yeah, that's exactly... Yeah, the three times that I've watched this, even aside from the jokes, aside from seeing it somewhere else, aside from explaining it to someone or having someone explain it to me, and they're usually almost like 99% of the time laughing their asses off while they yeah. do it. When you watch it, yeah. it's not funny at all. It's
0: not funny at all. The the actress's performance, she's so scared. And his performance, he's so fierce and angry. um, And just... Like and 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 I feel like the 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 bag on his head. I mean, yeah, it kind of can look silly sometimes, where it's like puffing out and sucking in when he's breathing. But it's very effective because it's the it's that rage. It seems so angry. Rage
1: and exertion. And, he and, is using a lot of force with this yeah, extra and, long thing that he's able to her with now yeah yeah a lot of force behind it and
0: and and he's almost he's getting off on his imagination because this is easily the most imaginative thing that he does in the movie most of the stuff is very bare bones it's very i'm pulling you out of a car i'm beating you to death or i have a gun i'm shooting you it's very quick but this time like you said, he's got all this time. And it's the longest time we spend with two characters that are getting murdered. And what possesses him to do this at this uh, point, I can't really fathom it, except for the idea that what you had said, he's isolated, he's got time, no one knows he's there. Yeah. And it just, and it was interesting because, like, he finds the trombone. It, it, she, the, the woman is is a, a musician. That's where the instrument comes from. Yeah,
1: based in the real story with the girl who had been driven home from a a show that her and her friend had put on, and she was a saxophone player. So there was a saxophone yeah. recovered years later mm-hmm. from that scene of that the actual crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there is a reason for this trombone to be there. But song. I mean,
0: like in real life, the this instrument was not. Used as a murder no, weapon, no. Um, but in the movie to make it more fantastical or ridiculous, I would really like to 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 know like where that came from because it's 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 very different but like you said when you're describing it to people you you can kind of get smiley and when i'm like it's like he doesn't know how to fuck like i'm i'm, I'm being reductive so he kills
1: it with like a trombone yeah turns the knife to a trombone <laughs> yeah yeah definitely t- like yeah like, oh, 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 does this
0: work does this work does this work because it doesn't even look like it works like it's not even like wow he made a f- fucking death machine out of that trombone it doesn't even really look effective it doesn't look oh, like, no. he-
1: like if you're explaining the huge strap-on cock with a huge knife in s- the film seven to yeah. somebody that's not funny no it's not funny at all no. you're not laughing while you're explaining like how the guy had 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 been forced to fuck someone to death and it's the exact same sort of implement it's the exact yeah. same sort of thing going on it's a huge thing with a knife tied to it used to stab somebody to death yeah. Except it's a trombone.
0: It's a trombone, and it's. When you're watching the scene, it's absurd, but you're not. It's not funny at all. A lot of that comes down to how it was shot and all the actors' performance in that scene. That is a real testament to show people that you can do something ridiculous and it can still be unnerving even if you broke the facts down it would actually be ridiculous
1: Yeah, you know, that scene is the clip like you said and yep. it is the centerpiece yes. of the new film as well yeah although that scene when reenacted and I, I i dislike using the term reenacted because it's not a reenactment of the entire film it's not a remake it's somebody reenacting that as a killer in their own right Mm -hmm. in this film. Um, The scene is done extremely well. It's just as horrible, although it's just as goony. And it's even a little more colorful and strange and absurd in the new one. I highly recommend seeing it just to compare those two scenes even. Because there is a two-person, a couple... Getting killed with a, with a musical instrument. Very, very similar. Very, mm-hmm. very similar. Um, because it's supposed to be. That's what he's trying to rub in the, the cops' faces in the, in the remake. Um, but it is just absurd. But I can't describe that one and, and find any humor in it. The original one, maybe because it was the one of the first... Mm -hmm. Or it is like the first, it's the first trombone death. Is it the only trombone kill? Um, there
0: was a spoof comedy horror movie, um, where I think a woman was killed by a trombone and the name is escaping me right now.
1: (laughs) It is funny to explain and I don't know if it's maybe the, the word trombone itself (laughs) Or when you're explaining somebody huffing and puffing, like, you could probably find better words. Maybe we just don't have, we're not using the right words to describe that scene to make it sound as heavy duty as it is. But every time I watch it, Mm -hmm. I'm in shocked silence, basically. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing funny about it. I can hardly look away because I'm studying this, the absurdity of the scene Mm -hmm. and the performance of the actress, which is, like you said, impeccable. She is scared, scared to death. And it is... Um, a pretty believable death. like It is really realistic. Although she only gets stabbed like three times where mm-hmm. we're getting used to seeing people be tormented and, and suffer blood loss beyond what a, a person could actually take.
0: Especially in the modern era.
1: Yeah. Um, it happens fairly fast but like you said it's the longest time that they spend with anyone getting killed in this mm-hmm.
0: film. Another um, scene that I think is a real showcase of this movie uh, that's particularly unnerving for me I always... Uh, fell. This is again, this is my own bends in life. But when the town that dreads sundown has all of their I's dotted and all their T's crossed, and they're in lockdown mode,
1: yeah, their windows are brought up, their doors are locked, the cops are patrolling, there's curfews in place.
0: Um the killer still wants to kill people. And so changes his MO. He is no longer going to seek out lovers far off into the woods, trying to find some privacy in their cars. He is going to randomly attack people in their homes. And so we're given a scene where a couple is just settling down, getting ready for bed. And he just starts firing a gun into their window. Then in one of his best performances, the killer's best performances, once the husband has been shot twice in the head, he gets to the screen door and just fucking very ferociously rips that screen off and kicks that door in to the point where it was just it's so angry you know what i mean like he looks so fucking dangerous i really like that moment in this movie because if that was me if i saw a guy go through my door that angrily and just instant nothing just instantly points a gun and starts firing you're like holy shit That's really intense. It's a it's a it's a super fast scene. It it, it might be the fastest scene. Uh, well, initial attack since like the very first one in the movie. It's the most effective in terms of if you're afraid of random violence, if you're afraid of home invasion, this would be your personal nightmare.
1: Yeah, and super quick. He doesn't. It's not like the whole films. Uh, based around that like in a home invasion film where it can go on forever and ever and it oh, yeah. becomes unbelievable that no one's going to stop by or call or see what's going on or hear what's going on yeah. it happens so very fast and it mm-hmm. is one uh, like the first attack another one where somebody survived so they had an eyewitness in the real life so it is mm-hmm. very very close to what actually happened mm-hmm. that evening and that's probably what makes it so much more scary mm-hmm. because they did have a lot more to go on
0: but again I, I I gotta... Like, I can't let up on the fact that the comedy bits really lessen these very serious scenes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm mm-hmm. Like, they're not particularly well done. I feel like they're very forced. And then... When, and so I'm kind of out of it. I'm kind of not... You know, I'm not leaned forward. I'm not tensely watching the screen. I'm not fearful because any time that you build any tension, you immediately... Mm-hmm just douse that with Here's the Cops being silly.
1: With silliness, and it is aggravating. It's not uh, that relax, exhale, sit back, digest kind of moment. It takes you out of it entirely. Like you said, it's like watching a whole different film. Uh, it It doesn't do its job at all. It's not that it does it too well. It's that it totally ruins the mood.
0: Yeah, it's like, I don't understand, like, why... Because they had procedural elements to this, which is really good for uh, a horror movie based around a true story. I like that type of stuff. I like to see the cops working, yeah, putting facts together, finding clues, uh, making educated guesses. I love that type of stuff. I think anyone who likes true crime or or just find the whole police process very fascinating, I think anybody likes that. But why? Why like? Why can't they just? Have stuck to that and not had, you know, comedy that just up. Kind of
1: comedy yeah. yeah, and they had very, very strong characters in the cops as yeah well. And not... you could even have Sparkplug, just a real dialed down version of Sparkplug. And like, you could have served like that role 50% exactly. of that. Just yeah. like if you
0: had one or two scenes where, oh, he's not the greatest driver, and like I would have been fine with they that. They could have
1: made the uh, losing the key scene a little more tense, not so silly, and take the music. Out of those um, scenes, the and it music would have was a maybe bad not, yeah. Probably we wouldn't have noticed it quite as badly as we did,
0: yeah. No, but it, and the music is telling you how to feel in the scenes, mm-hmm. um, as, as it does in a lot of cinema. And it's it's all light and it's bouncy. And you're, I'm just like, wow, this is very different.
1: Too light and bouncy, too like light and Kukuri bouncy. Curie Village sound mm-hmm. music from Link that's what it reminded me of,
0: yeah. Like, really. It, it, If they just had they even could have done those exact same scenes and either had no music or or a little bit more benign music that's not trying to get me to feel one way or the other. Yeah. And maybe the comedy scenes wouldn't have seemed so forced. The music was really making me feel as Oh yeah, they were
1: punctuating all of this really bad comedy with It it was
0: very it was very T V from that era. It was very we're ending the show. The hour's over. We're gonna cap it off on a joke, and here's the light music to make you know that everything's gonna be okay. See you next yeah. week.
1: I think in the uh, addendum, the more recent version of *Town the Dreaded Sundown*, there isn't a, any comedy. I don't think. And if there's any, there's any, there's a little bits of black comedy at all that, if I noticed it at all. Um, but there is more of this procedural, and there is a lot of her going to the library and. Uh, reading up on the original murders and doing her own police work and her mm-hmm. meeting with the police and talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um Lone Wolf, the character the yes. police officer, is taken dead seriously. And he's dead serious in this one too. He's a very
0: serious and intense guy, even though I find it ridiculous that he's Lone Wolf. And he's playing
1: t- off Sparkplug though, which doesn't it, help. It's
0: it's true. And it's kind of like here's here's Sparkplug and, and Lone Wolf just can't suffer him. He's just <laughs> he's a very serious, controlling guy and he's a very Good copies a legendary Texas Ranger that always gets his man this is this is indicated to us in uh, some expository scenes and it's basically him being saddled with spark plug that's just it's Gilligan you know, and the skipper it really is Gilligan. If we could go back to Gilligan's Island for a minute,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, that's exactly what it is. I can't. I don't have any contemporary examples for you because I simply don't watch television. I certainly wouldn't watch anything with a character like fucking spark plug in it. <laughs> Period.
0: I would have watched Gilligan's Island if there was a, a murder on the island. With them.
1: Fuck yeah, that'd be cool. I would like a remake. Thank you very much.
0: Gilligan's Island, like the dark version, yeah. Like everyone's super hard, and maybe they have to resort to like cannibalism.
1: <laughs> That'd be kind of cool.
0: Oh, one of the things that I wanted to say was, is I don't want anyone to think that I don't like this movie. I do. I really do.
1: I really do too. Um,
0: I like the performances from a lot of the actors. Um, from all, all everybody really, even Sparkplug is a good. It's fine. It just seems like. Out of them, It just seems like out of a different movie. I just wish that some of the comedy was toned down. I wish some of the music choices were different. But that's picky stuff. That's real picky
1: that's stuff. That's typically where I stop paying attention. That's when I'll get up to do something mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Because we
0: spend a lot of time with these police officers, which you should when the point of the movie is to try to catch a killer. If you're spending so much time with the killer, the killer becomes less of a mystery. Yeah. And then you lose what you're going for. So by the time they find the killer and run him down, it is you could sus- you could assume that maybe the killer got lazy, maybe they got lucky. Um, they don't get him. It's very much a movie of its time where they like to have the killers get away. The seventies were kind of riddled with films like that where, at the end of the movie, the killer's not defeated, mm-hmm. um, or or the evil or whatever you want to. Call It, Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw, The Omen, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah,
1: the other is still there. The monster is still out there.
0: Yeah. Even uh, Halloween 1978, which came out afterwards. Michael Myers is not gone at the end of that movie. A bunch of spoilers for some (laughs) movies that you might not have seen. (laughs) You always roll your eyes when I say... I'm
1: not that worried about uh, spoilers. And people have probably seen... I don't assume that they... of 10 of the films that you just mentioned. I
0: know I know that some of the people that listen to the show kind of as a favor to me it feels um, don't always know the movies that we're talking about and certainly I'm I never assume that everyone's seen
1: anything. It's just like how Oh yeah, there's lots of classic films that I've never seen. Yeah, exactly. You me shouldn't too. worry so much about spoiling them because the spoilers the spoilers are a click away. The spoilers <laughs> are on every other podcast. The spoilers are in every news uh, magazine article.
0: Well, some people just really don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just covering my bases and saying I that, don't
1: care about the people who don't like it.
0: Well, I care about everyone. Okay,
1: Leah? you can do that. That's why we're such a good team. <laughs> I just want everyone to be happy. You got all the caring.
0: Don't you remember the horror rainbow? Isn't there enough room for everybody on it?
1: <laughs> and that real thin black strip running along the bottom.
0: And on that note, I'm Wes Knight.
1: And I'm Typical Lydia.
0: And you've been listening to Dead Air.